0: James chapter one this morning I am excited about the new year and you guys can be all sleepy in here if you want to but I'm going to be excited so you guys are going to have to deal with me I am super pumped up for 2021 I'm glad that it's finally here and even more importantly I'm glad to see that 2020 is gone I know what some of you have been thinking the past year or the past week or so it's like it's a new year I'm going to try some things differently this year has anybody thought that any new year's resolutions in here a few of us i've been kind of hard on new year's resolutions in the past because uh they don't work uh you you know how new year's resolution goes like you make this big new year's resolution and this year i'm gonna do this and then like one or two or three minutes later everything changes right and so i've been kind of rough on those but this year I've changed my mind a little bit I think it's okay for us to have a time of the year that brings us back to a moment where we look in a mirror and we say what do I want to make better about myself do I want to get healthier do I want to get smarter do I want to accomplish some professional goal it's it's okay for us to have that moment in time where we look at ourselves and say this is what I'm lacking and I can do better you know what? I think it's okay for us as a church to have a day to do that. And that's what the first Sunday of this year is, is it's time for us to just look in the mirror and say, what can we focus on and what can we do better in 2021? What can we improve on and make ourselves more useful for God in in this particular year? Every year for the past three years, we've had a different focus. We don't want a resolution because resolutions do tend to fade, but we want something that we can focus on. As the year goes on, we can come back again and again and just kind of re-examine how are we doing in this. Can we learn to be better at this? In 2019, that was our year of prayer. As a church, we took time to just really focus on praying for God, to use this church to learn how to pray, to learn how to connect to God in prayer on a daily basis. 2020 was our year of worship. We focused on, on worshiping God and pouring our heart out to him. 2021 is going to have a different focus and i think that maybe to introduce this this might be best expressed through a speech given by former president john f kennedy let's watch this for a second
1: only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire and truly like the world and so my fellow Americans ask not what your country can do for you ask what you can do for your country
0: how many of you saw or listened to that speech in person way back then anybody few of us few hands going up I love this moment in American history and I love that speech by JFK because it changes the focus of our country JFK lays out this foundation of what he wants in his presidency and the way that he views our country he says that he views our country as a country of blessing and with blessing comes responsibility a call to action so when somebody is blessed according to JFK they should be moved to action I think JFK asked himself this question, why is our country not moved to action? And what he, he came on was a, a focus problem, that our focus was off. And this is where we get the, that key line, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. JFK knew that we needed to change our focus from expecting the focus of others to be on us to expecting our focus to be on others. Now, while I don't think that we are going to storm the capital and take over the country, I think this directly applies to what we're doing in Christianity, in our, in our personal faith. Would you consider yourself a person of blessing? I think that we are people of blessing. And so by the same concept, if we are people of blessing, we get with that an inherent responsibility to be moved to action. But what, what keeps us from being active is this focus problem a lot of times even in christianity we want to come to god with a focus on us what are we getting what are people doing for us what is our church doing for us and truth what christianity is is an expectation that our focus should be on others and so to start this new year we want to ask questions differently than we have in the past we're no longer going to ask what can my church do for me but we're going to ask what can i be doing for and in my church We're no longer even going to ask, what is God going to do for our church? We're going to be asking, what can our church do for the kingdom of God? And we're not going to look at the communities around us and say, what can we get out of the communities around us? We're going to ask, what can we give to the communities surrounding us? In the book of James, James is dealing with this basic same focus problem. And in James chapter one, he defines it as dead religion. Is that that Christians had a religion, but their focus was off. Now, many scholars agree that the epistle of James is the first one that was ever written. That means this is the earliest instruction given to Christians. And the earliest problem that's put out there is this, this focus problem, that, that people are being religious, that people have their, their traditions and they're going about their lives, but they've got their focus in the wrong place and they're expecting something from others. Let's read James 1, and this will be tw- verses 22 through 27. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goes his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh in the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows and their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. James identifies this problem in early Christianity, and it's, it's a problem that has continued to plague Christianity. He says, there are a bunch of you, and you're a part of a church. You're, you're going to church, you're learning, but you're, you're hearers only of the word and not doers. In today's world, we would call that consumer Christianity, where, where we go to church looking for what am I getting out of this? What, what can this church do for me? Does it have the music I like? Is the preacher young and good-looking and smart and all of those things that I am, right? What, 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 can, what can I get? out of that particular church but but the problem is is that the focus there is wrong on what we can get instead of what we can give now let me be clear being a hearer of the word is a good first step but it's just that it's a first step it's not the final step that's what we've gathered here today to do is and we've gathered here to open up god's word and ask him to speak into our hearts to, to help grow us and to change us that's a vital part of being a christian but being a hearer only of the word means that we miss the vital second step, which is applying it, or as James puts it, being a doer of the word. And this is troubling that this is what James identifies in the early churches. We've got a lot of people listening to the Bible, but not being changed by it, because that's the main point of what we're doing here is trying to be changed by the word. Our first take home truth is this, is that the point of instruction is transformation, The point of instruction is transformation. When you and I come here, it is for the purpose of us being changed. When we leave here, we should be different every single time we come into this church. I don't want you coming here out of some sense of, I have to be at church this morning or some sense of somebody requires me to be here. We come here to be different than the world. James compares a person who comes to church without changing, a person who opens the Bible without changing, he compares it to a person who looks in the mirror. Now, You guys are looking pretty sharp this morning. I can see that you guys spent some time looking in the mirror. Like we all got up this morning and we all checked our hair and we put on our makeup or some of us put on our makeup, I forgot mine. Uh, We all all checked to make sure our clothes were number one on and number two straight. And we looked at ourselves and made sure everything was okay. And when we think about looking in the mirror, That's kind of what we think is that quick glance, do I look nice today? But that's not what James says when he says looking into a glass here. When he's talking about looking into a mirror, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about looking into a mirror of scrutiny. Uh, That's when we look into the mirror and we look at ourselves and say, what what do I like about myself? And, And what don't I like? That's where our New Year's resolutions come from. When we look in a mirror and we say, these are the things that I can improve on. These are the things that I've missed. These are the things that I want to be better at. James says that somebody who is a hearer of the word and not doer is somebody who looks in the mirror, they assess in themselves all of these problems, all of these things, and then they go their own way after this assessment and forget everything they learned without changing anything. And it tells us something about how important God's Word is. It gives us the ability to look into ourselves. But we have to be honest enough with ourselves to know that God's Word should be changing. James uses a couple words to describe this form of religion, this form where we hear the Word, where we go to church, where we open our Bibles, where we we allow this Word to kind of flow over us in one ear and out the other, but it never changes us. And two words that have popped out in the book of James to me are number one is vain, his religion is in vain. That word means useless. It means not good for anything. And the other one is the word dead, which is a lack of action or activity. And so in this, James implies that an individual who lives a life with a focus on receiving instruction, but not on being changed, has a motionless, actionless, and useless faith. Keeping that in mind, let me ask me and you this question. If James thinks that it's an actionless faith, a useless faith to be hearers of the word and not doers, what would James say to a church who gathers one or two or three times a week for the purpose of receiving the word, but but never gathers for the purpose of applying the word in the world around us? What would James call us if he knew that what we did is we come together, we open the Bible, we say amen, we pray, we worship, and we go out, but we never come together as a group for the purpose of applying God's word to the community around us. I think James would call us a useless and an actionless church. Now, Now let me be clear, I'm not saying that we're a useless and actionless church. I'm not saying that's necessarily us here at Ramsey Heights, but I'm saying this is an area that we can grow in. That we as a church, we can come together as a group and work on applying our faith to the world around us. And James tells us how to do that. Continue on. In verse 27, he describes the opposite of a dead faith. And this is what he says in verse 27 he says, To visit the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. James identifies two things that if we want to have a living faith, a faith that is, that is not dead, a faith that is not useless, and it's charity and chastity. And chastity is the easy one. I think everybody understands that about Christianity, is that Christians are supposed to keep themselves away from sin. Anything that is outside the perfect will of God, we're supposed to keep away from. I think that the most basic person out of anywhere in baseball, if you brought them in this church today, even with an elementary understanding of church, they would understand that there's some rules that they have to follow if they're gonna follow Christ. The world understands that following Christ means changing your lifestyle, even though we often fail at that or even at times choose not to. But but we understand that's part of the deal of becoming a Christian. But what we often forget is charity. The second part of it the things that we're supposed to be giving and doing. James identifies here that Christians should be visiting the orphans and widows. And what this tells me is that James is identifying those in the community around the church that are in need. James identifies those who need something. At this time, there was nothing worse than being an orphan or a widow because the men took care of the women and took care of the children. And without a man to take care of you, you were nothing. You were on the lowest rung of the social ladder. Now, just because this is what James identifies here doesn't mean that the Bible precludes us from looking at other people and assessing the needs of others around us and in our community. People like the homeless and the unemployed. And this is something as Christians, we need to look at even people who suffer as a result of their own decisions. God calls you and me to assess the needs of people around us and to respond with charity. What James says here with the orphans and the widows, what James says that we should be doing is visiting them. Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, this is Arkansas, a good old southern visit, right? What do you know? We're going to go sit and visit for a while. We're going we're to sit down. We're going to drink definitely some sweet tea, and we're going to gossip about everybody, and that's what we call visiting, Right? That's not what James means in this book. James is not asking us to, to swing by somebody's house and say, hi, how are you doing, and have a conversation with them. Translated literally, this word visit here means to take them under, listen to this key word, your care. To take them under your care. Now, now listen carefully to what the Bible said here. The Bible didn't say to take them under Pastor Brian's care. To take them under the care of Ramsey Heights Baptist Church. It, it's, it's an action word, it's a personal word, to take people under your care that's somewhat inconvenient to us because what this tells us in this scripture that is we want to have a live and actionable faith that it's a personal commitment and a personal connection to people in need around us that we are going to have to do it ourselves as individual that means that we will take your time to take care of people it will take your effort to take care of people and to care for people means that you are going to have to sacrifice things that you are already normally doing. <clears throat> so let's pause right here for just a second because I think this is what some of us may be hearing. I think some of us are hearing that in 2021, our focus is that, that we're going to go to work, that we're going to do good things for people, that we're going to be busy trying to take care of people. And that's, that's not entirely incorrect but it is entirely incomplete. What we're calling ourselves to in 2021 is a work, but a work of sacrificial service. As a matter of fact, that's our our next take home truth is that in 2021 focus for Ramsey Heights is sacrificial service. I will say that word a lot, sacrificial service. Not not service, not work, not busyness, sacrificial service. Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 speaking of Jesus it it defines what sacrificial service looks like speaking of Jesus it says this of him it says it made himself of no reputation taking on the form of a bond servant I like the way some translations put that they they translate that that Jesus emptied himself taking on the form of a bond servant listen The king of kings, the God of gods came to this earth and his goal and his mission was to empty himself to become a servant. And when we call ourselves Christians, which literally means followers of Christ or to be Christ-like, that is what we call ourselves. We call ourselves servants who are sacrificial, who empty ourselves for the needs of other people. Jesus Christ continually gave away his desires living in this life with none of the comforts. And so what it tells us is sacrificial service requires emptying ourselves. I like this example. It's from a fictional novel, but I I think that it kind of drives the point home. In the book, Chasing Francis, Chase is a mega church pastor from a a big church in New England. And he's he's having a bit of a faith crisis at the beginning of the book. He's he's busy all the time. He's always answering emails. He's getting called into meetings. He's perpetually behind on all of his ministry stuff. And, And he is just burnt out with Christianity. If all Christianity is is just just a job and just being busy, he doesn't want a part of it. And, and he's at a point where he's ready to walk away from ministry. His church leadership gathers around him, and they say, you, you need to get away and work through this crisis because you can't lead in this state of heart. You're not doing yourself any good, and, and we want to build you back up. And so they said, you need to go far, far away. The church will be fine, but, but take care of yourself for a little while. And so Chase goes and visits an uncle in Italy, a Franciscan friar, and, and through this time with his uncle, he goes on this journey of faith where he studies the teachings of Francis of Assisi, a teacher who taught living with absolutely nothing for the sake of serving others. And one key part of this book and one key part of this story, Chase comes in his journey. He comes to a community home for men dying of AIDS. And you can understand how uncomfortable this must have been for him to be put in this place where he may be asked to serve these guys. These, these guys have been disowned and they're abandoned. They're dying and they're sick. You could get sick from being around them. And And Chase is very uncomfortable in a foreign country around these people he has nothing in common with. He freaks out in the moment when a nun walks out and she describes that there's nobody to take care of this man and I'm so glad you guys are here at this moment. It's time to give them a bath. You guys can come in and help chase a mega church pastor he sees this kind of services below him he's not going to bathe sick people in italy he's a mega church pastor he makes lots of money he does everything people people know him he's famous but yet he still finds himself unable to get out of being dragged into a room where before him is a naked man six foot tall and less than 100 pounds dying laid in a bath he's terrified up until the moment that the nun picks up a rag begins to wash the man and chase realizes i'm i'm just gonna get to stand in the corner i don't actually have to do anything and he breathes a sigh of relief i i didn't want to actually bathe this man and it's at that moment that the nun very quietly and nonchalantly reaches back behind her and hands him a rag and said would you wash his genitals Chase records that in that moment, that man looked up at him with a question in his eyes, what will you choose to do now? What would we choose to do in that moment? Chase had every reason to be scared. He had every reason to say, I'm not doing this he was disgusted by this. This man had AIDS. We all know how men get AIDS. He knew that there were health risks doing this, but he pushed past the fear and the disgust and he plunged the rag below the water and began to scrub the man and clean him. And this is what happened to Chase in the book. In that moment, all of his fear and embarrassment faded in his heart. <clears throat> his heart was changed or his heart was in his heart was replaced with peace and purpose. as he walks out, his his friends notice a difference in him. He seems to be lighter, this this grudge that he's been holding, the ship on his shoulder that he's had that seems to have gone away. And, and they look at him and say, Chase, what happened to you in there? You're you're different. And Chase replied, I think I became a Christian. Truly following. Christ means truly following the example of Christ, emptying ourselves and taking on the form of a sacrificial servant. And so in 2021, it is no longer acceptable for us as a church to neglect serving those around us. In 2021, it is no longer acceptable for us to sit around waiting for God to grow this church and calling that doing God's work. We, we've been provided with the resources that we've been begging God for for years. We've seen church growth, we've seen financial growth. We, we have the personnel to be able to actually go out and serve others. And what's important at this point is how we use the resources that God has given us over the past year. In Matthew 25 Jesus tells a story and it's called we call it the parable of the talents and Jesus tells a story of a master who's going out of town he calls all of his servants together and, and he gives them different sums of money. He says, here, while well, I'm gone, you're, you're responsible over these resources that I'm giving you. This is for you to use to serve me. And, and some of these servants, they go out and they, they put the money to work and when the master comes back, they, they bring not only the money the master gave them, but, but they bring extra money. And they say, look, I earned more money with the money you gave me. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. And he gives them money more resources but to the servants who come back and they took the resources and they they buried them they put them in their bank accounts they were content just to have them sitting in the church building they take they took those resources and did nothing with them and they had nothing to show for it when the master comes back he takes away those resources and gives them to somebody who uses them better And using this biblical principle, I can say with complete confidence that the future success of our church isn't going to be determined on how we end up getting more people into this building on Sunday morning. The future success of this church isn't going to be determined on if we can make our church attractive to this group or that group, to the young or to the old. The future success of our church isn't in fancy signs or advertising. And the future success in this church is not in figuring out how we are going to make ourselves more financially capable. The future success of this church is gonna be determined by how we use the resources that God has already given us. That's our last take-home truth, is the future success of our church is determined by how we use the resources God has given us. And so, we will serve in 2021. We will serve inside of this church. I'm going to ask every person who comes here to, to let the doubt and the fear and the busyness fade away from your life and find a way to invest in a personal ministry. Not, not, not just be here, but be a part of a ministry where you come here to give to others. Wh- whatever job you have will not be glamorous. I'm not going to lie to you. It's never going to ride on your obituary. Like they, change the, they, they, they clean the church every six weeks. They're not going to ride in our obituaries that we knitted hats to put in little boxes for kids in Africa. They're not going to ride in our obituary that, that we took food to people when they were in need. None of our jobs and ministry in this church will be glamorous, but listen to this. Neither was it glamorous when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. So I'm going to ask every one of us in 2021, to find a place of service, dig in, not for what we can get, but for what we can give. We will serve inside this church, uh, serve each other inside this church, laying aside our personal preferences, laying the foundation for a church culture in which everybody, regardless of what background they come from, is comfortable and feels filled here. They can come and be refreshed and rebuilt. And we will serve outside of this building dedicating labor money and time to the community around us <clears throat> helping others In this year i want you to expect me to ask this church to take financial resources and be willing to give them away to the community around us for the purpose of making god's name known In this year, I want you to expect me to come to you with church service projects where we are gonna dedicate our Saturdays and our summer breaks and our vacation days to go into the communities and serve people who can't do it by themselves. In 2021, expect us to be willing to serve in every capacity. And we will serve even when there is nothing for us to get in return. Let me rephrase that. We will serve especially when there is nothing for us to get in return. There's really only one thing left to decide if our 2021 focus is gonna be sacrificial services. Will you personally be willing to sacrificially serve? Because here's the truth, and I know this, I can stand up here and say whatever I want, and I can make all of these, these graphics to put up on our screens, and I can come up with these words, but in order for us to be sacrificial servants, it's gonna be each of us having it ingrained in our individual hearts that we want to serve, that we want to follow the example of Christ. And if you're having a question in your heart right now is if you really want to be a sacrificial servant, if you really want to empty yourself, let me tell you why I think that you should be. Before the crucifixion of Jesus, he he goes up to a garden. He takes some of his disciples and, and he lays down crying, praying. And he says, God, if there's any other way for these people to be served, if there's any other way for them to be saved from their sins, let's do that. Let, let, let's not make me die on a cross. Let's not make me empty myself in this way. Is there any other way to do this? But, but he ends it, every time he prays that, he ends it with this commitment. But I will be willing to do it for them. Live. <clears throat> Live, come on. And so Jesus Christ, determined to serve, poured his life out on a cross. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, we have to have that same rugged determination so as we go into our response time live is coming to lead us in a song song of praise and worship as we go into this i want to ask you to pray for two things number one i want to ask you to pray for your own particular place of service and i want to ask you to pray for this church that god will open us opportunities to serve others to take care of others and to serve our community